The Anti-Process Pattern Gmail is slow today. Car companies are fighting to keep pace with new electric car companies such as Tesla. Enterprise software are bloated with features and super slow. Apple company didn't come up with an innovative product in recent years, only improvements over existing products. Why do many current big companies have problems with innovation? The anti-process pattern tries to give a solution to this. This main idea was recently presented by Reed Nesting in his recent book, No Rules Rules. He is the Netflix CEO and he describes his processes in Netflix, his values and his past experience and the failures. In addition, a very interesting item about uh, this book is is that he has let a professor be a reviewer of this book, but not a standard reviewer. He gave him a full access to the Netflix company and asked him to validate whether what he is thinking of Netflix, whether what the CEO is thinking of Netflix is true. So he wrote something in the book and then this professor went inside the company. He had full access to Netflix and he told him, What he said is garbage, it's not true. Actually, in your company, things are happening very differently. So this is also a no rules rules. This is also breaking processes. And I think it's very interesting to understand what drives innovation and the contradiction of innovation with processes. So let's dive in. So basically, the case is this. Rules and processes are great until you need innovation. So, for example, if you are a software engineer and you face an issue, a bug in the software, then you move ahead according to the process. You write a test to replicate the bug and then you fix it. And then this bug will never happen again because you have a test that checks it. This is a process. You followed a process. You had an issue. You wrote a test. You fix the bug and you validate that this bug will never happen. What this process makes and what other processes makes is that they drive into the organization people who like processes, okay? People who like procedures, people who like to follow the book and to write the processes down and follow them. It also drives out of the organization people who don't like processes, people who don't like to follow the rules. As a result of that, in the short term, what you uh, gain is beneficial to the company. You get increased efficiency. You get if increased quality of the software. You get more features going out. You get less bugs. On the long term, you lose big because all All the innovative people, they just don't want to write that. They, they just don't want to follow the rules, okay? So they move out and in the long term, you won't have these big shifts. And as we know, for big companies, this pivoting is super important because as of today, if the company 
want to stay in the current flow. It's, it's a, let's say it started as a young company, then middle-aged company, then an old company. So you want to pivot in, in the organization, into innovation and into inventing yourself again. And if you don't have this invention, if you have the rules, then you have the short term and you don't have the long term. So let's see a few examples of this. Although the big organizations, they do know to do this uh, re-pivoting, but it's, uh, it's, it's critical for them to know exactly how they plan to do this, to know how they keep the innovation spirit. So if we look at uh, Gmail, then we all know it's uh, super slow. So originally Gmail was developed by like one person. It was innovated by one guy. And he had this rule. He had this uh, 100 milliseconds rule, which means every operation in Gmail should take up to 100 milliseconds. And if you try Gmail recently, in recent years, then you know that this rule has been broken. Which means that the basic concept of Gmail being fast has been broken. And you have today thousands of people working on Gmail, many product managers. Okay, uh, what, what happens is that Usually the process is starting with innovation and then it's going on to the executors and the executors know to improve 1% here. They know to add uh, this feature. So what you're getting in an uh, organization is that uh, everyone are uh, rewarded. The, the big question is, what do product managers, what are they rewarded for? So usually in big organization, they are rewarded for new features. A new feature, usually what it is, is an improvement of 1% or 2% in the product. So you have, you have an army of product managers, each of them trying to push its 1% improvement. 1% improvement in making the search better. And usually what's, what happens is that nobody takes the big picture. Nobody can even understand how Gmail works today. Nobody can, and I don't have any insider knowledge into Gmail. I'm just looking at the Gmail application. I estimate that, that this is what's going on. So you have product managers. They are incentivized and rewarded by an improvement of 1%, of 2%. They add this feature. They make this change in uh, color and they are rewarded for this. Okay, so no one is going to take the leap into the next product because he's not rewarded for it. So I'm pretty sure Google is a smart company. They have their processes and they have their breaking the rules game into pivoting into another product. And this would probably happen in, I have a new idea. Let's take 200 people and create the next uh, generation uh, email. Okay. But it won't happen, I estimate, inside the Gmail product because you have an army of product managers. Each of them is rewarded for 1% increase, 2% increase, and you have an army of thousands of developers. And you just make these minor improvements. And the overall picture is that Gmail is very slow and people don't like this. They like the search. They like the emails, they like the user interface, but they don't like that they have to wait for seconds of seconds until something is happening. So the basic thing is the reward. If you reward something, if you reward a product manager for 1% improvement, then this is a problem. You will get more efficiency. 
you will get more quality, but you won't get innovation, not in this scope. So you have to have other places to get the innovation. You have to have other mechanisms to have the innovation. And in order to encourage this innovation, you have to have a spirit of breaking the rules. <clears throat> so when you move the needle, when the incentive is for moving the needle in 1%, in 2%, then you get people who like processes. You get people, you get engineers who like processes, you get uh, product managers who like processes, and all the innovations, people are not there, not around you. We see this also with Apple. So we had Steve Jobs, okay? He was a visionary and he surrounded uh, himself with executors, okay? So we have these executors, they know how to execute very well. So he comes with a vision, let's say, let's say this is the case. He comes with a vision of iPod or iPad or whatever, okay? He comes with the vision and the executors are executing it. Now, the visionary is gone, unfortunately. We are left with the executors. And what do they know to do? To execute. So we get better uh, iPads, we get better uh, laptops, we get uh, better uh, smartwatches, but we only get this better. We only get this better moving the needle. We didn't get yet, at least not up to now, maybe they're working on a new car or something, but we don't get this innovation because the visionary surrounded himself with executors and the people who are left there are people who like processes. So let's get back to uh, Netflix. The thing with Netflix is that the CEO is saying that one of his rules is the no rules rules. He's trying to come up with a scheme to encourage innovation. In order to encourage uh, innovations, he wants people to break the rule. He wants them to understand that there are no rules. This is what he did in this book. He invited a professor to look inside the company and to tell him what you're thinking about your company is wrong. Because once you do this all move the needle uh, slowly, then what you are missing is when the storm comes. Okay, when Netflix was originally dealing with the DVD rental. Okay, and then the storm came. The storm came in the manner of the internet. They had to pivot themselves into streaming. And then another storm came because it was not enough. They were competing. There was Hulu and stuff like this. So they had to reinvent themselves again into production of original series. So while they stayed focused on the uh, DVD and on the streaming, they still have pivoted themselves again and again. The question is this, how do you remove the rules? So let's say you have an organization and you have rules. So it's about encouragement and rewarding. What you reward for is the thing that you'll get in the organization. If you reward for moving the needle, for making better quality products, for improving in 1%, 2%, this is what you'll get. You'll get this improvement of 1% and 2% from the product managers. You won't get this pivoting. If you are rewarding for breaking the rules, your own rules that you set, then you will get this innovation. How do you encourage breaking the rules? The way you encourage is breaking the rules is that you simply, you get, go ahead, and this is what the Netflix CEO says, you go ahead and you ask people to break the rules, and then you ask them, if you were CEO instead of me, what would you do differently? Give me your criticism. You do these exercises. 
you try to get the anti-normal person. You get people to criticize their boss. Tell your boss where they're wrong. These are the rules. The rules are telling you to break the rules, to criticize me, to tell me as a CEO what I'm doing silly, to tell me as a CEO that I'm wrong. I'm encouraging you to do this, to tell your boss that he's wrong. This is the encouragement. This is what people get rewarded for. And once you do this, once you do this, you get a spirit of breaking the rules. There are no rules. You try to find the rules What rules do we have in, the, in our organization? And then let's break them. Let's encourage people to break them. Let's encourage the people who like innovation to be here. Because if not, we'll move the needle, we'll gain in the short term, and we'll lose big time in the long term when the storm comes. So, of course, it's painful. It's not easy to receive critique. It's, it's very not easy. It's, it hurts. If, if you tell your boss or your CCO, oh, you're totally wronging this. This is not what you should do. You are taking us to the wrong direction. This hurts, of course. If you get this critique yourself, if you, if you are the CEO and you get this critique, it hurts. He admits it. But it's like doing push-ups. When you do push-ups, it's hard. But this is the exercise. This is exactly what you're trying to do. You're trying to do the hard thing. So once you get the pain and you contain the pain, Then what you need to do is to continue to encourage the worker to be rewarded on this. So once you get the pain, you tell him, tell me more about where I'm wrong. Okay, tell me more. What can I do? Encourage this critique. Do not encourage agreement. So as we said, there are two edges. Like on one extreme, you optimize for efficiency. You optimize for efficiency of workers. You optimize for tests. You optimize for... processes for following the rules and you attract people who like to follow the rules. This is the short term. This is the sterile. You won't get here success on the long term, but you also won't get here failures. What you need to do is to attract also the messiness, the chaotics, the threat island, the failures. And this is where the long term innovation and success would come. You need both actually. And to tell the truth, All the big companies knows how to do this. All the fan company, they all know how to do this. They know how to do both the efficiency with the rules and they also know how to do the, the innovation with the chaotic messiness, the threat island and the long-term success. They are all reinventing themselves again and again. So the anti-process uh, uh, rule, it actually contradicting the, the old rules. Where did the old rules come from? They came from manufacturing because in the past we usually focused on manufacturing. This is where rules are very good. Okay, the boss is on the top, the worker is on the bottom, and the boss is like telling the worker what to do. This is perfect for compliance. This is perfect for processes and this is perfect for um, manufacturing, but it's imperfect and not good for innovation. For innovation, you need to have critique You have to have non-consistency. You have to have breaking the rules. So the culture of manufacturing is the safetyness culture. It's what drives efficiency. It's what drives quality. But the culture of innovation is what drives failures and what drives long-term uh, success. We inherited this uh, manufacturing uh, culture. This is why it's so hard for us. to accept the pain of moving into the innovation world. 
So we are removing the rules and we are moving into uh, cre- creativity. In the efficiency world, we have all this uh, biogra- uh, bureaucracy and we have the rewarding of the product managers based on this. Uh, let's add another feature, let's add another feature and we all know where this ends. It ends with a bloated product with a lot of features and the customer actually <laughs> does not like it so much. But this is where exactly the, the place where the innovation comes in. I'm not saying that the processes are bad, they are very good, but it's two lines, it's two parallel lines. One is the efficiency and the increase of rules, and one is the breaking of the rules in order to get the innovation. You need both the short-term success and you need also the long-term success. If you have so many people like in the fan companies, then you can drive all these processes in a parallel. So this was very interesting. I think it's very important for all of us to acknowledge the importance of breaking the rules and also the importance of following the rules. We actually need them both. When you follow the rules, when you have a bug and you create a test because you follow the rules and then this bug won't repeat, You are aiming for efficiency and short-term success. The quality of the product would get better. Product managers are rewarded for adding features, for tweaking features. This is very good for short-term. When you are breaking the rules, then you attract people who don't like to write that test after they have this bug. You get people who are messy, whose desk is not organized, okay, whose life is a crap. But they are the innovative ones. They are the ones who will not follow the rules and get you the innovation and the long-term success. They both go side by side. Sometimes you need this part and sometimes you need the long term. You need both of them. But it's important to know that not only short-term success is important with following the rules and fixing the test and following the bug. It's important also to attract. This innovative, messy desktop, they have a messy desktop. I see many wires on their desktop. They, the code that they write is not perfect. They have bugs, but they are the creative ones. This is also very important for long-term success and pivoting of companies. So thank you for listening and see you next time. Mm-hmm.